1: Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip, and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Remember as a podcast listener you can get 15% off my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code PODCAST15. Giving birth is often compared to a marathon, a long journey that requires grit, endurance, pacing, patience, pain management and motivation to stay on track. This week's guest Dr. Carla is a sports psychologist and explains how pregnant women can use the mental strategies commonly adopted by sports people to help focus on their strengths and to see the childbirth experience as a positive challenge instead of a threat. So welcome, Carla, and thank you very much for coming on the podcast today.
0: Hi, Pip. Yeah, very excited to uh, be on the podcast.
1: I love this topic, Carla. I absolutely love it because I think your ethos is so well needed in a time where we kind of live really in an epidemic of birth fear. So many people are fearful of birth. So often women feel like they're going to be out of control or like there's nothing in their grasp that they can utilize or have kind of the reins over when it comes to birth. So i find it really interesting the work you do and i wonder what's kind of led you personally if we can jump straight in to explore the link between sports psychology and how that crosses over so well into birth even if we didn't realize it beforehand
0: yeah definitely well there's a couple of different things that kind of inspired me to write the book so uh first off a lot of my work as a sports psychologist so both as a practitioner as a researcher is around endurance performance so she already alluded to like when you think about the mental demands of endurance performance they're at motivation uh, you're on your feet or bike whoever whatever endurance event you're doing for a long time so a lot of time to think those demons that come in how do you manage those you know that component of pacing you can't go out all the time at full effort And, you know, like managing pain and discomfort, you know, they're all kind of psychological demands typical to endurance performance and you compared it to a marathon. So I guess some of those seeds started to be planted when I was pregnant myself without really being aware of that at the time. And then my research also looks at challenge and threat states. So like, how do you see something as a positive challenge and not as a negative threat? So, you know, things like self-belief, seeing you know it as an approaching uh, rather seeing it head you know hit the situation head-on like not digging your head in the sand type thing as well as kind of that notion of control that you already talked about um, helps to kind of see something as a positive challenge which has um, beneficial physiological responses associated to it as well which is helpful when it comes to giving birth so again some seeds were planted on the way um, and then obviously my own birth story. So that was pretty much an endurance feat. So from the time I water broke till I actually gave birth, we're talking about 50 hours. So that was quite some time um, of pushing through, you know, pain and discomfort and pacing myself and literally drawing on every bit of like psychological strategies that I'm teaching to my students, teaching to athletes that I'm doing research on. And I just start to realize how beneficial this was. And I noticed that when I started to drift off and not necessarily using some of those psychological strategies, that really affected my experience. So I start to really realize, actually, there's something here. And then I had some conversations with other women Um, when, you know, they've given birth and their birth stories. And what I noticed is that during their kind of, you know, birthing classes, they were learning about breathing, using mantras, positive self-talk statements, and had all these really good intentions to use those, but they forgot about it Mm -hmm. because they didn't really practice, didn't really use opportunities to practice those strategies. So there was really that kind of action, intention gap really good intentions. It didn't translate into action. And I was like, well, that seems such a kind of a lost opportunity. Is there something we can do? And so many women have experiences of doing sports or exercise, have pushed through pain and discomfort, you know, needed to find some motivation or, you know, in endurance, you know, battling some of those those thoughts and those demons and finding out what's within their control, outside of their control. Can we pull that together? into a book and I did some research there was nothing out there and I was like oh maybe there's something here um wasn't quite sure so I put together a book proposal during my maternity leave it was lockdown so nothing better to do <laughs> um and well I mean I guess there were better things to do I mean but you could have re- taken
1: up a new hobby done some knitting
0: <laughs> exactly um But uh, yeah, so I put something together, I send it to the partner of one of my PhD students who was a midwife at the time to have a look at it, and she's like yeah actually that's really interesting I think you got something here. Um, So I guess that gave me the confidence boost I needed uh, to then start to approach like uh, publishing companies, Uh, so I wrote one chapter uh, around challenge and threat today. so how can you see it as a positive challenge Uh, send it across with a big proposal uh, got a yes um immediately and kind of so the book writing started wow very exciting
1: and my goodness I mean what a journey it's it it, the way you describe it like that Carla makes it sound like it was very simple transition but I know that that process is takes a lot of determination so thank you because it's something that will really support women I think moving forwards um, and some of the stuff that you do discuss in your book, so specifically the the kind of psychological strategies that you've already kind of started to allude to in terms of setting and adapting our goals, self talk, breathing, mindfulness, um, that support network and focus. Can you explain a little bit more about how these relate to birth? Because as a, I say, I say an X runner. <laughs> Because I feel like since having my son, the amount of running I do, I can't really claim to be a runner anymore. But I was marathon training prior to falling pregnant with him. Um, and so it really resonates with me a lot of what you talk about. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And and instinctively, without trying to practice, I utilized those techniques of birth because as you say, it was inbred in me. I'd I'd, you know, I'd done that. So I I knew that's what I knew. It was my go-to. And that's where I think when we sometimes talk about breathing practice and mindfulness in pregnancy in relation to birth, we really miss out on that practice element. And that's where it kind of just gets missed. And that intention, as you say, into action, there's a, there's a big old gap that doesn't really set us up in, in the best way we could have, I suppose. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, 100%. I think when
0: we look at the aim of the book, it's really to kind of pull together some of those, those mental strategies, and rather than trying to start from scratch, is actually building what you've already got in your toolbox. Um, So to help you approach that birth as kind of a, a positive challenge. And I think what's really important before we kind of dive into some of those psychological strategies is that you kind of want to understand what the purpose is of using a strategy. And I think this is sometimes where this action intention gap starts. It's because we don't really understand what the if is that we're going to use it for. So are we using it because we're lacking confidence? So want to boost our self-efficacy? Is it, you know, because giving birth, if you're too fast, you've never done it before. So you can't really draw on those previous performances, you know. Um, or is it more about focus? You, you feel like your mind's going everywhere and you're really struggling to focus on the task, being in here and now, or is it to focus on motivation, pushing through pain, discomfort? You know, that's a really important starting point to start understand what it is that you want to use it for. And then you've got like a range of psychological strategies available to you. And some of those you might use all the time. And then there's some that you only need in particular situations, a bit like a toolbox, right? Like you've got some multi-purpose tools that you go to all the time. Uh, and then there's some that are quite unique and you can only use in like maybe a couple of instances, but they're instrumental to be successful. Um, and what's really important there is that practice element. You know, if you if you have a flat tire in your car and you've never used a jack before to like lift up the tire, well, it's not gonna happen, right? So it's important that you need to unwrap those psychological strategies and really give yourself an opportunity to practice that. And there's something like what we call self-regulated learning in sports psychology is really important. Is that plan while using it, act, do it, and then especially that reflect bit. So if you've had any experiences in sport you talk about your marathon training you know you plan maybe how are you going to pace yourself then you're going to do it and then you're going to reflect well actually I went off a little bit too fast so maybe I just need to tune into my effort levels reduce that a little bit and and maybe do a little bit more um research on the course because so, actually it was a bit windier than I thought that bit so that's why it felt a little bit harder so that's when I need to slow down a bit or actually there is where I could have pushed through a little bit more and My mind was all over the place. I started thinking about all these hundreds of different things. Okay, well, that wasn't very useful, but that was. So it's that kind of plan, act, reflect. It's really important. So I think sometimes people dive in too quickly um, into learning because they don't know what they're using it for. And if you don't know what you're using it for, under pressure, you're not going to yeah, and then there's no motivation into
1: to practice, is there? Because you're exactly. like, well, you know, you don't really understand the significance or what it's about and, and how valuable that might be to you.
0: Exactly, so I think that's that's really important and you want to start early in the maternity journey. So really give yourself a good opportunity to practice these different strategies. Um, You know, in yoga sessions, like if you're lucky enough to, to be able to do some running, you know, not all of our bodies are able to do that when we're pregnant, but some of them are. And so, you know, can you start practicing some of these things whilst you're pregnant um maybe presentations at work uh, when there's some pressure you can you know practice it then or reflect on times when you've used it when you were doing exercise or competitive sports so i think that's always really important to think about when we're kind of talking about these these different psychological strategies rather than going straight into um well, let's use some goal setting or or yeah, let's use some, some self-talk without actually knowing um, why are you are using it? So thinking about those kind of different strategies, but also for the different stages, right, of giving birth, um, which yeah. I'm sure we get to at some of those, those strategies. You want to adapt them. You need very different strategies for the starting point and for the end point, um, which hopefully uh, will be kind of a, a useful takeaway message as well to, to kind of adapt. So you've got your favorite psychological strategies, but you also got the ones that will be useful um, at different stages.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think that's where it, that having that understanding of the physiology of birth alongside what strategies are going to be best suited to what area is so valuable because you know that, that latent phase where we're relaxed and we're at home, we are carry on is very different to the final stage of labor and birth where you're literally pushing your baby out. You know, the way we want our minds to work is the way we want the neurocortex to be taking over is very different as well.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's you know for for and midwives, that's so helpful as well, isn't it? To kind of the adaptation of those psychological strategies to the to different stages of birth, like motivational self talk, um, which we can have a chat about. You know, you, you probably need that at those pushing stages when you really, you know, it comes out of the bottom of your toes mm-hmm. to you know push. And uh, what's helpful at that stage, I think, is is, is definitely something to consider. Um, but yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of of, of psychological strategies. Um, shall we start with goal setting? Is that yeah, go
1: for it, go for
0: it. You kick off where you want. You're the pro. So, so yeah, well, I think we had a really nice interview, didn't we? So I'm sure we we yeah. get it on the things that you talks about when in your interview. Um, so for the book, I've interviewed um, different women, um, Olympians, exercisers, personal trainers, yourself um, <laughs> to kind of understand how they've used uh, their different. How they kind of use those those different strategies um, themselves um, as part of their kind of birth stories. And I guess one of the ones that that seems to come up time and time again is the whole idea of goal setting. So when you know we're we're in that kind of you know pregnancy journey and we're starting to think about um, giving birth, I think most women, not everyone, uh, but a lot of women, they they start to pull together a birth plan. And I'm sure you know you've as as a midwife you've had you've seen a whole variety of of different birth plans. Um, But what you also find is that a lot of times these birth plans are going overboard quite quickly. Um, Things aren't necessarily as you'd expect. Um, The baby starts doing different things um, or maybe you don't respond Um, And you decide that actually you don't want to have your home birth and you want to go to hospital. And that's okay. I think that's the first thing Mm. to emphasize. It's okay if the birth plan is flexible, it's flexible, going overboard. board. Exactly. And I think that's when it comes to goal setting. Kind of one of the things that I talk a lot about with endurance athletes is to move away from this kind of one do or die goal. So quite often when it comes to, you know, a marathon, people have this like, oh, I need to run a sub whatever hour race um what that does it adds a lot of pressure because sometimes you know you've you've had a tough week at work you you haven't had a lot of sleep and actually it's not going to happen um but if you then have a bit of goal flexibility so you've got your dream goal that's that stop whatever hour time but then you can also have your happy goal and kind of your your acceptable goal maybe that's just finishing the race and allowing yourself some flexibility really relieves some of that pressure Mm -hmm. and that translates so well to you know when we're thinking about birth plans having that flexibility having a plan a having a plan b and having a plan c so when plan a doesn't happen and you go to plan b you already have that in place so you don't have to you know go through the whole process of Sometimes a bit of grief of letting go of that plan because you can already really start to think about actually, okay, well, plan A wasn't on the cards. That's fine. I still got a plan B and I got a plan C. And sometimes you go back from a plan B to plan A, you know, maybe you want to award to birth, then quite, you know, maybe you're not quite sure if it's going to happen, but actually things start to settle and you can go back to it. Um, and that's okay. So I think having that goal flexibility is really important another thing that we have in in sports psychology is uh, is kind of different types of goals. So we talk about performance outcome goals, which is like a time based or you know beating someone or or placing you know on the on the, on the you know first three, getting a medal um or kind of performance and pro and, and kind of outcome goals, which are really helpful because they can help with our training plans and you know boost that motivation. but actually what they don't give us is a lot of control. Mm -hmm. so these are very much external goals you know someone else might have a really good day or you know the conditions on the day won't allow that kind of performance-based time goal so really what we need to start focusing on a lot more especially in action is process goals so that's more of how you're going to do it so your breathing technique maybe self-talk plans um You know your positioning like how you push training you know those types of things are really important and that's so much more within your control Mm -hmm. and because that's more within your control it gives you that autonomy it gives you that confidence so when we think about challenge and threat states you know what makes someone in a challenge state is that notion of perceived control so knowing what's inside and outside of your control It's that notion of hitting the situation head on, that approach motivation, and it's about the self-efficacy. So really, you know, the different sources that go in there as performance, accomplishments, you know, seeing other people in a similar boat, performing well, you know, doing well, succeeding, uh, you know, positive self-talk, confidence about your physiological states that you can fight through some of that fatigue and so on. So taken together, kind of process goals can really feed into some of those Um, aspects that that lead to a challenge state a kind of positive approach so that's another thing that we work on with athletes a lot in terms of you know yes sure performance and outcome goals they serve a purpose but actually in the moment they're not going to do much for you um I remember that you started to talk in our interview a lot about clock watching oh that's Um, a nightmare and that's (laughs) such an example of like a performance goal because you're like oh in all my knowledge I know this is supposed to happen now and this is you know like So many hours from now, this needs to happen. And so, so much of that is out of your control. So um, moving that away, I think, you know, what you did is you then had someone remove all the clocks um, as like a solution towards that. And we can kind of go back to that when we, when we talk about focus strategies, Uh, but that's such an example of like a, a performance goal. So you want to move away from that and thinking about process goals and, you know, maybe focusing on your breathing, focusing on, you know, like anxiety management, pain control, and so on is so much more helpful um, in the moment. And then, you know, yes, if your birth plan isn't entirely what you wanted it to be, it's not the end of the world. Um, so I think that's that's kind of some things that come with with goal setting. Things like chunking is really important. So rather than seeing, you know, the whole maternity journey, I guess, you know, you got the that nine or so months leading up to it, you can chunk that down into different pieces and set goals for different, parts of your maternity journey you know in the beginning it's really about resting and getting your body ready for you know the baby growing you can't do as much in terms of your exercise because you're just shattered you're just so tired oh, I'm vomiting and ugh. <laughs> exactly like your body's just getting ready and that's okay um so it's kind of that pacing so you set like maybe a process goal of pacing and then you know when you feel more energy you can then adjust your goals and then you know what can you do in the later stages and then it's the same with you know the actual childbirth is you know you got all those different stages um and setting different process goals for those different ch- stages and breaking it down and chunking it is such a powerful thing so when i was told that i don't know i was uh, induced and then there was like i don't know i've been been pushing or like going through contractions for quite a few hours and then i was told oh it's only three hours to go until the baby comes out and i was like oh that, that's a heck of a lot of contractions to to go and um, what we did to kind of manage that was we counted, calculated how many contractions that approximately was. And then, so we chunked it and then just like swiped a contraction off the table mm-hmm. every time. So we really kind of then ho- focused on that process and we use chunking as a, as a goal setting tool um, to kind of, not look at the end goal, but actually being in the moment. Um, and then one of the um, sorry, I was just thinking back then
1: to one of the things I did with a lady in labor once, where, where where again she wanted like a tick list to tick off the contraction. So we had two jars, one that was full of jelly beans and one that was empty. And every time she had a contraction, we put a jelly bean into the other jar, and that for her was like tick. You know, that's one one more contraction done. It kind of chunked that that little bit down for her that
0: way exactly and it's such a that's a really nice visual um tool and it's active and you can engage your birth partner yeah. in that process as well so there's so many nice things that you can do when it comes to goal setting to really give the woman a sense of control empower her and rather than focusing all these other things that are out of your control that just causing pressure yeah um yeah. having those process goals, chunking um and you know i talked about if then planning at the start that's also part of goal setting isn't it understanding the why what might be some critical situations that you could encounter like when the pain becomes too much if i feel overwhelmed by the pain then i will do this yes yeah. so think about some of those strategies Is is then a key thing of reducing that action you know that gap between intention and action
1: yeah, it's, it's, I love it. I love it. Anyway, carry on, carry on. It's very interesting.
0: So yeah, so I guess that's goal setting um, as as a as a bit of a snapshot mm. of what's in what's in the book. So there's obviously a lot more more in there. Um, so another thing, um, and you're, you've got a really fantastic example here, so I'm looking forward for, to you sharing your example rather than me <laughs> trying to repeat the example you gave in an interview. It's about imagery. So imagery is also a really powerful strategy, mm-hmm. a little bit more challenging sometimes to to learn compared to you know goal setting, um, because um, when we think about imagery, it's kind of defined as creating or recreating experiences in our mind using all our different senses. So it's not just vision. So obviously, A lot of people think about imagery as visualization, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just one of our senses. So it's also, you know, like sometimes you feel that you have this really dry mouth um, in labor. So that's, you know, the taste, what you feel, what you hear, you know, all those different senses, what you smell. You know, the hospital smells are very different compared to, you know, the home. Like there's a lot of senses that are being encouraged to use um, in labor. So using all your different senses to either create or recreate an experience in your mind is, is what makes imagery It can use it for so many different purposes. So again, it's about understanding why you're using it. Um, So sometimes women use it to distract themselves from the pain. Um, So they might use something called dissociative imagery. So maybe imagining being in a really happy place or recreating an experience from a holiday. Um, There's different things that are kind of visualizing or imagining that the pain leaves their body with every breath Mm -hmm. Um, is another way of looking at it. Um, or maybe using imagery to see the pain as your friend rather than your enemy is another way of looking at it. Um, So one of the things that we need to be a little bit cautious with when it comes to dissociative imagery is that you don't want to be stuck in that all the time, because pain obviously serves a purpose. uh, And I'm sure as a midwife, you know this this very well, is that if you forget to tune into the pain, then sometimes you don't pick up some warning signals that are really important to communicate to the health professionals around you. So Yes, it's a good tool to sometimes help yourself with a bit of pain relief. um, But don't you do it all the time without forgetting to check in on your body, I think is a really important kind of
1: bit of caution. Keeping that kind of awareness, isn't it, alongside, but having it as a strategy to support you.
0: Yeah, 100%. And the other thing when it comes to imagery is that, um, so we use it all the time, right? Um, When you're driving somewhere or cycling or walking, you're kind of imagining the route you're going to take. You know, what's there on the right, what's there on the left? And that's quite normal. Um, but sometimes what happens is the imagery takes over. Um, so what's really important is that you maintain that kind of autonomy over your um imagery. So rather than it's taking over you, um, so I always give this example of like um a runner who imagines that you know they're they're racing towards the end, and then suddenly in their imagery, they see someone overtaking them every single time. So they have really powerful, really vivid imagery, but they don't have any control over imagining a positive outcome so it's really important that it's vivid using all your senses that you're aware of what's going on and that you are having control over it and often why you lose control over it is because you're going into very complex imagery very quickly so what you want to do and as I talk about this a little bit in the book is this kind of layered stimulus response training is that you want to start very basic can you imagine let's say a black circle or and then change it in your mind to a yellow circle and then kind of, you know, moving on to that and building on that is a really important thing. So you feel confidence that you can do that imagery. And I think you had a really fantastic example of how you used imagery for technical purposes. So to kind of engage with your breathing you're you're talking about a yellow balloon
1: oh yes the yellow balloon do you want me to explain that
0: yeah so people is. that have done my courses will be familiar
1: with the yellow yellow is just the color that came to my mind so you can totally imagine any color balloon but when I in the first stage of labor where the main thing that's happening internally to our bodies on a kind of physiological level is that our cervix is being pulled upwards into the sides of our uterus so we want to connect our breath with the same direction that our body is working, i.e. upwards. So during an upward breath in the first stage, I recommend having a colored balloon, mine's always yellow, deflated in your pelvis. And as you inhale and take that lovely, big, deep breath upwards, that balloon inflates upwards to, um, essentially fill your entire abdomen. So then you've got a nice big full balloon in your abdomen. And then as you exhale, We continue in an upward motion to support that cervix, but the balloon floats out of our abdomen and up into the sky. So we're still moving upwards. And that's a technique that I use during my own birth and that I teach on my courses as well, because I just I think it works. It's powerful. I've seen it work. And and I really I really found it helpful in my own birth.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I really love that example, made it into the book. So Good. I believe people will, uh,
1: they can resonate with it or, or kind There'll of be practice lots it. Of, lots of yellow balloons in people's minds.
0: Yeah. But again, it's really important. It's personal to you, isn't it? So, you know, they they might visualize something else that might inflate or, you know, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's, it resonates for them. So again, with imagery, it's important you have control over it and that you have those kind of. Stimulus, um, you know, what's the situation? Can you, can you imagine the situation? Uh, Can you imagine the responses? So like the heart rate may be going up, the sounds that you can hear, but also the meaning associated to it. So can you then imagine it being a positive challenge rather than a negative threat? So, you know, combined, that's that's really powerful to have that kind of positive um, imagery, but it takes practice. So I think that imagery is not something you can expect to just apply in, you know, a pressurized situation like giving birth when there's so many new things going on, if you haven't practiced it before. So, you know, maybe if you're doing pregnancy yoga, that's a time where you can maybe imagine that the pain's leaving your body when you're in a bit of a challenging pose or, you know, when you're going for a long walk and, you know, maybe your, um, your pelvic is, is a little bit uncomfortable um, you know maybe you can imagine how you can adjust the way you're walking mm-hmm. um, to relieve some of that strain so there's there's different things you can do and again for those different purposes so always kind of understand why are you are using it and then um, implement for example a very technical um, imagery scenario um, that helps with breathing or maybe it is about imagining um, what you're going to eat after you've given birth as like a motivational bit of imagery so you see this a lot with um with marathon runners you know like obviously london marathon was on a sunday uh so you know what's kind of you know your rose dinner afterwards kind of imagining that you're you know getting the medal hung around your neck and then Mm. you know going to the park to have a lovely rose dinner um (laughs) can be a really motivational bit of imagery uh for people yeah no my goodness
1: i can yeah imagine that and quite often after birth um Especially, especially women that perhaps for, for certain reasons, like diabetes, have had to mitigate what they're eating. There's often a lot of chocolate biscuits eaten yeah. after the birth of a baby.
0: <laughs> the ultimate <I> mean, refuel. <laughs> the, the sushi was the first thing that kind of came oh, into the, it? the room, nice. yeah. Sushi and um, a bit of like soft cheese. Soft cheese, yeah, a rare steak—that would be on my list for sure. <laughs> yeah, so you know, things like that can be really, you know, sometimes it's just a light in spirit, right? Um, to to think about some of these things, imagine what you might be um having afterwards. Um, can really kind of yeah boost that motivation when you just feel so tired, uh, and you just need that bit of energy booster
1: yeah yeah definitely and like you say it's having a a toolbox of techniques it's not that it's kind of right we've got this one thing and we're going to roll with it it's having different things that you can dip and die from as as you need and as the journey unfolds and those twists and turns kind of crop up and one of the things I'm thinking is Carla for those listening who perhaps uh, have done a little bit of sport maybe it was at school or university and life's got in the way they haven't really done anything since Um, compared to those that are perhaps training at an elite level, how can we utilize these strategies across all abilities and experiences for women?
0: Yeah, that's an excellent question. So what I've tried to do in the book is obviously not just interview those from a really high level, because I think that that's great, but not everyone can relate to that. Um, And obviously, during pregnancy, you sometimes are not able to exercise either. Um, So if you want to practice those, a lot of times there might be Other situations where you might feel the pressure. So, you know, maybe uh, in your job presentations might be an example of like what are some of the uh, strategies that you draw on to help you prepare and deliver a presentation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you can relive an exam that you've done, like a test, Um, difficult, uh, maybe challenging conversations with families might be something that you can draw on as well. Um, But most people have done some walking or some occasions where they've. Maybe had to push through some discomfort, or you know, had to draw on effort levels to push through. Um, so think about those situations um, where you know you, because obviously giving birth is a physical um, thing. Um, so it's it's definitely helpful to think about some times where maybe you felt a bit out of breath. How did you manage that situation? How did you push through? What were some kind of uh, strategies that maybe helped you to inform your self belief to make you feel confident that you could do it?
1: Yeah, that's really useful actually to realise that. I think we've got we've got more in us than we really understand and realise, haven't we? We are much more capable than we ever believed possible, and I think birth proves that. But it's really nice to go into that, knowing it and having that innate confidence in yourself.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's what really inspired some me to write this book because it's like, oh, it's a nice idea, but I'm not quite sure if people are interested in it initially. But the next I had conversations with people. I was actually, yeah, I have i interviewed women for the book and actually through those conversations they became aware that they they had so much more in them than they thought they had and they actually used a lot of their previous experiences and yes it is a new thing you might only do it once or twice in your life so it's quite a unique um you know for some a one-off um experience but at the same time um it's a really life-changing experience for a lot of people so how can you make that as empowering as you can and yes it will be new and there will be a lot of things but you can also draw on a lot of things you've already developed in your life and you know we talked about a marathon and you know you don't train for a marathon overnight and it's the same with you know giving birth you need to put in the training hours and especially also the postpartum period you know you're not going to be back within a day and you need to learn how to be a mom and you need to yes you, you're a mom over you know like when when the baby's born you're a mom but then actually the identity of a mom takes a long time yeah. like you know you're, you you didn't learn how to you know do a layup in basketball in one in one go either um so it's you know what, what can you learn from how you've learned different skills yeah. Oh, it's awareness. so
1: interesting, isn't it? It's so in- that mind body connection is just, just fascinates me. And I'm, I'm so pleased that people like yourself are starting to put a resource out there that women can draw on because it's, it's really reassuring. I think, especially for those that are perhaps feeling anxious about the the concepts of birth and, and what that might look like for them. now, Carla, everyone that comes on the podcast, I asked for three top tips. So I wonder if you could share your three top tips for expectant mums who are listening.
0: Yes, good point. I mean, three. I know you're always asking for three, but there's so many. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. (laughs) So, okay, um, let's start with the first one. Um, So the first one I would say is to pace yourself. It's not a competition. Um, And this counts for the lead up as well as the period afterwards. It's your journey at your pace. Um, And as I said, you don't train for a marathon overnight. So why would you for the maternity journey? Um, and then the second thing, and I think this is quite an important one as well, is that notion of perceived control. So really know what what's within and outside of your control. So don't mess with the hormones by trying to over control the uncontrollables. I think that's a really key thing. Um, the clock watching example you gave earlier on as well. Um, and even if you try to do everything you could within your control, sometimes things change and that's Okay. So having that awareness of what's in your control and outside of your control will really help with letting go when you need to let go. Mm. And then the final thing is that self-regulation of plan, act and reflect. So you need to practice and reflect on how it's been um, to help you understand what's in your toolbox and to really have that belief in your the tools in your toolbox that you know that's gonna help for you. And you know why you're using the different tools in your toolbox, even though some are rarely used, but are very essential for those very particular uh, moments. And you'd only ever notice if you give it a shot and give it a practice and reflect on the effectiveness of it.
1: Mm. Oh, Carla, you're fantastic. I love the work that you do. I love your passion. And, and yeah, I think it gives people whether you how however into exercise you may be. If you're an expectant mum listening, it gives you some real food for thought into how how many techniques and how much strength you actually have in you. Um, Carla, where can people find your
0: book? Um, so my book is um, available from the twelfth of June. Um, so it's on the kind of you know widely available on the kind of you know well known um, book sites. Uh, but you can also order it directly from sequoia Books. Um, Or you can have a look on my website, carlamayen.com, where there's a link to the book as well. Amazing. Carla, thank you so much. It's
1: been, as always, lovely to chat to you. Thank you very much. Before you head off, I just need to tell you something. 68% of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button. So can you do me a favor, if you have ever enjoyed listening, and hit subscribe now. It makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing and I look forward to chatting again soon.